Hello and welcome to the Sports Grab Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. And joining me is the absolute champion, Reuben Williams. How are you? G'day, Ryan. I'm doing well, thank you. You're not the first person to champ me, so <laughs> thank you for that. The <laughs> absolute champion. Yeah, just real talking down in that. Yeah. How are you, champ? I'm great, great. Just add a bit more elevation to the way you talk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, super excited for today's app. Uh, it's going to be an absolute cracker. Mm. Um, so let's get into it straight away. Mm. Uh, my name's Ryan Walker. He is Ruben Williams. We are two mates who met at Cricket Australia and now we help people find their own dream job through this very podcast and our online community. If you want to follow us, head over to LinkedIn or even better, if you want to connect with us and hundreds of others working in sport, jump into the sports grad community. Now, a quick shout out to one of our sports grad community members. His name is Braden Flood and he's just landed a brand new job as a game development officer with AFL Victoria. So well done to you, Braden. Um, but if you are like Braden and, if, and you're looking to try and get your first full-time job in the sports industry or if you're like AFL Victoria and you don't want to spend a lot of time or money in recruiting people, you just want good people quickly and readily available, then jump into the sports grad community. There's something in there for both individuals and organisations. So if you want to check it out, head to www.sportsgrad.com.au forward slash community. Fantastic. Now, Rubes, exercise and nutrition are increasingly in the spotlight and for good reason. Deakin is the number one ranked sports science school in the world. Whoa. Jeez. In the world. <laughs> uh, at Deakin, you don't just learn about the future of sport, you can access it with state-of-the-art facilities, cutting-edge research and advanced technology all at your fingertips. As an international leader in sports education, Deakin prepares you to share shape the sports industry of tomorrow. So get the real-world experience you need and get to Deakin University ASAP. Brilliant. Fantastic place, Deakin. Now, uh, Libby Owens, CEO of Champion Data. Supply all the data to the AFL, biggest data supplier in Australia. Incredible organisation. Mm, probably the world. I haven't heard of anyone bigger, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that. <laughs> we only hear about Champion Data. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a bit about Libby. She started in a law degree, didn't spend too long working in law. Uh, ended up in a job at the Australian Communications Authority working in compliance, making sure everyone's doing their thing. Then uh, had a nice little gig over in India with the BCCI during one of the Champions Trophy tournaments before jumping into Cricket Australia as a media rights officer. Now, Libby spent seven years at Cricket Australia in the media rights team and uh, at the end of it, she then got poached over to Champion Data to join as the Chief Operating Officer. And through her time there, became the CEO. So she's had a bit of an unconventional journey to being a CEO. And she'll say herself that it was never her ambition. But uh, one of the things to really look forward to is just how non-traditional her pathway is. When you hear her tell her story, it's uh, it gives a lot of inspiration to anybody out there who's doing a variety of different things. Mm, absolutely. I loved how she uh, she's really zeroed in on one key skill that it really – it's, it's required to have the success that she's had and got to where mm. she is today. So stay tuned for that one. Yep. And finally, some of the hidden jobs that you wouldn't know about at Champion Data. They've got over 300 casuals working at Champion Data. There's plenty of opportunity to work in your favorite sports where Champion Data is collecting all the information from them. So if you want to learn about those, uh, listen in and uh, check it out. Awesome. Let's get cracking. Grab a pen. Enjoy this chat with Libby Owens. Libby, welcome to the Sports Grab podcast. 
I am so pleased to be here and I'm sorry we've had a couple of false starts, but I'm here and I'm super excited to have a chat with you guys. No, thank you for coming in. And awesome to hear that you're a listener too. And uh, shout out to Jason Chan. Libby's been tuning in and absolutely loved it. So um, great to hear you're a fan of the show. Yeah, a bit. Uh, I sort of listened in and I thought, geez, is that what i got to follow? Okay, it's going to be tough. But yeah, I thought he was excellent. I thought he was excellent with some really good advice. So for any listeners who might tune in to me, do yourselves a favour, mm. go mm. back, go back and listen to a, a few of the, yep. the, the earlier episodes for sure. Yep, absolutely. Um, now, Libby, when I first found out about Champion Data, I was in high school, I was big into Supercoach, AFL Fantasy, that sort of thing, and all these numbers were getting fed in through Champion Data. And then I found out that my mate Darcy had just got a casual job at Champion Data and he told me that he spent his days with an Xbox controller coding games of football and you'd press like x for a tackle y for a handball is that the extent of what goes on at champion data that is real that actually happens (laughs) that's awesome that is called time synchronization so champion data i should probably just explain who we are what we do so that that makes sense when i say time synchronization champion data is australian-based melbourne headquartered company we've got global operations but we started in clubland and afl footy And we are the official statistician for the AFL. We are also official data partner for netball, Australian netball, uh, for lacrosse in the US. We work with Live Golf. Um, We do netball for New Zealand, netball New Zealand. So we've got a really, really um, broad breadth of sports that kind of fall within our remit. But we essentially do everything along what I call the kind of value chain for the sports ecosystem. So we capture data. Traditionally, it's called event data. So it's in the football space, kicks, marks, handballs, stuff that's happening on the actual field of play. So we do data capture. We then manage that data. So we store it in sports data platforms. We do analytics and ideation off the top of it, which is taking that data and making really compelling content for fans of the game to um, engage in. And we also provide that data and data-led content to all the ecosystem around it. So broadcasters, digital partners, uh, you name it. So um, we've been around for, geez, I reckon 25 years. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's good longevity for a sports tech company yeah. mm. um, and we're going from strength to strength. So awesome company. But what your mate is doing <laughs> is some of our more recent technology, which is taking event data and I'll say – I always say this. I'll say data. Some people might prefer me to say data, but I'm going to stick with <laughs> the Aussie vernacular of data. <laughs> um, we take event data and then we synchronise it with – athlete tracking data. Athlete tracking data comes from devices sitting on the back of footy players' jumpers and we sync that up because if you do that, you create a real, really rich depth of, of data that you can then generate lots of really good insights from. So our engineering team, when they were trying to work out how they were going to do this synchronisation piece and needed to build a product, they realised it's really similar to gaming. <laughs> so they, they literally just built it so that you could use a, a um, PS3 Hand controller, it was awesome. So, yeah, yeah that's what they do. They sit there. You get there. paid to play Xbox for a bit. Yeah, it's like you're getting paid to play a retrospective <laughs> game of football. <laughs> it is a bit like that, yeah. Very it's, cool. it's, it's pretty fun and it's just one of, I think, uh, six or se- seven different tools that capture our footy. Yeah. yeah. So all the all the numbers on, you know, the AFL app or, you know, when, when I'm watching Fox footy on the weekend and they look all immaculate and nice, they look all special and 
you know, all the commentators and, and analysts and stuff are looking at all these data points. That's all from That is data. all us. That's all us, yeah. So our teams are working at the venues. They're working at our bunker, which is our offices down in South Bank. And then we have staff um, who are embedded into the broadcast partners. So they'll sit on the floor of Fox Footy or they'll um, be in the what's called the outside broadcast areas at venues yeah. or at the hubs as, as we tend to be doing it these days. And they're supporting the coverage of the game at every step of the way. I should also say it would be remiss of me not to mention that we also do broadcast graphics. So if you watch a game of footy, everything you're sort of seeing, the simplest way to put it, it's not strictly true, but everything you're seeing overlaid over over the match, that's coming from champion data, champion data, technology, mm-hmm. champion data, personnel. Um, and we do we do a similar thing for netball and uh, other sports. But, yeah, so it's um, – so it's an exciting place to be and it's a good place to be. So, Super yeah. interesting. So when you say all your data comes out in, in different various types of content, you mean the, the broadcast stuff that gets used by Channel 7 and whatnot? Yeah, so Channel 7 and uh, Fox Footy are both um, exceptional broadcasters of sport and so they understand that you don't just want to put up a score, you also want to explain what's happening and they do that with visual representations of the data um, and that that's really important. And then from a digital perspective, if you look in the AFL official app, for example, there's products like um, the Telstra Tracker, which has the athlete tracking data and that's visually rendered into the app or you can just search on the actual data depending on how you want to yeah. consume it. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's everywhere. I mean, footy is the benchmark in terms of use of official data and how it's covered globally. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you sort of can't get away from it in a good way and everything you come across is, is entertaining and rich and insightful um, and teaches, teaches you something. It's not just there to be pretty. Mm. It tells the story of the mm-hmm. game. Well, that, that ultimately is Adds I think you might have been doing your research because that's champion data's um, – that's kind of our vision. Our vision is to tell the story behind the game. Yeah. yeah. Well done, Ryan. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I did do some research. <laughs> Brown paper bag across the Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you've had, uh, and according to my research, obviously, you've had a wide range of experiences in your career. Um, was it always your ambition to become a CEO or, or did that just come about? Never my ambition. I've never been an ambitious person, full stop. You know, it's funny. We've had a couple of CEOs on this on this podcast and none of them have said, I wanted to be a CEO straight away. Mm. It's yeah. quite interesting. Well, why is that? I don't know. Um, it's not an easy gig. Uh, it can be an exceptionally rewarding gig. And I'm often asked, what, what's the moment where you're most proud? And I struggled with it for a while, but I realised what it is is when it's all come when it all comes together, and you know you've played a small part in enabling it and supporting it. So, you know, in our world, if I turn on a television and I see awesome, compelling visual graphics integrated with data, and the commentators are talking to that data, and they're talking to those insights. Um, and I'm not seeing any, you know, chaos unfolding in our internal Slack channels and I know that technically everything's kind of running smoothly and the coaches are happy and, um, you know, the digital partners are happy, then that's that's one of those moments where you sit back and go, oh, this is just so good. You know, it's so nice to be a part of this. And I, I'm not an expert. I'm there to get out of the way of the people who do the, the real work and make sure that they can do their real work. But 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, um, I guess I got really lucky because I got into sport pretty early in my career and, and it can be hard to do, but there was a – it doesn't seem to make sense, my, my career trajectory, but actually – I can I think you asked about sliding door moments and I kind of said well everything is a sliding door moment because there's so many different ways you can go at any point in time whether it's in your study in your professional career I just always made good decisions and I guess jumped on opportunities when they kind of presented and and I think that's key you just you got to be brave <laughs> don't think too much just just jump and and know that you'll be right yeah. So what was a sliding doors moment at the end of uni? Because you studied a law degree but never practice. So what, what happened for you to end up going down a Well, no, it gets, it gets better. My, my, okay. un, my <laughs> undergraduate degree was actually a music degree, if you can believe oh, it. Oh, wow. And, and even, even then I didn't want to do music. I wanted to be an actress like so many 16-year-olds, I guess. But, <laughs> and I got rejected from every decent um, acting academy and then got into – a contemporary music course. So then I did contemporary music but realised really quickly that that was going to be really, really hard work to be a rock star and <laughs> maybe I didn't quite have the talent. But Tough to get there, isn't it? <laughs> apparently, yeah. But, but what I got really interested in was the business side of the music industry and specifically intellectual property and um, copyright and all those sorts of things. So I kind of looked at that and finished the undergrad and thought, well, maybe I'll just – do some work and do a bit of online study. So I picked up, I don't know, it might have been a graduate diploma or something of of law um, and then quite a, quite enjoyed the law. So I kept going with the law and, um, geez, it's hard to remember the, the, the sequence of events, but in then studying law I then started to get in uh, – it was, it was when cyber law was starting to come to the fore. Yeah. There was – attempts by government to regulate internet service providers like crazy crazy it was never ever going to happen the technology <laughs> just just doesn't make sense to do that so but I got really interested in cyber law so then I um kept doing the law and then I took a job with the federal regulator at the time which is the Australian Communications and Media Authority and there I had this awesome kind of training ground where I got to work across internet content um assessments, so rating internet content, if you can believe it, uh, children's programming. I got to yeah. assess and approve children's programming. Uh, I got to do cross-media ownership work, which is effectively there's, there's sort of rules and laws in Australia where um, it's changed, but it used to be that you couldn't own sort of more than two of any three print media, print digital um, broadcast. So I got to, to work on a lot of that. And then I ultimately started working on what's called the anti-siphoning legislation, which is regulation that puts a condition on the licence of a pay TV provider around giving, in its simplest terms, free-to-air bodies a first right over certain events of national significance. And mm. Australian being Australia being the sports-mad country that it is, the only events of national significance on that list are all sporting events. Yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of managing that. Love sport. have always been, in, you know, involved in sport. Massive cricket fan. Um, was brought up watching cricket. Was doing some research on the Cricket Australia website at the time and saw a job. And I was like, oh, I might as well apply for that. It was in Melbourne. I was in Sydney and the rest is history. I then was very lucky to. What was to, the title of that job? Oh, Media Rights 
officer maybe, mm. something like that. I probably didn't even know what media rights were at that point. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was cricket. The point was it was cricket. Yeah. It was sport. Mm. Um, it was Melbourne. I was about ready for a change. I'd been in Sydney maybe 10 years at that point. Um, I remember my, my then boss flew up to Sydney and said, um, I'll be here. Can we grab a coffee? I, of course, said yes, Ryan, to your point earlier about if someone wants to go and have a coffee with someone, just do it. Just ask, get yeah. out there and, and have the convos. And, um, yeah, I was really lucky. I was offered that job and and then came to cricket and worked for cricket for seven years and um, through that network then met the people who ultimately tapped me on the shoulder and said, go and have a look at this company, Champion Data. So... That I think every point there was almost a sliding doors moment. You know, mm. I could have decided not to apply for that job on cricket. I could have decided not to go into public service. Um, I could have decided to practice law and yeah. God knows where that would have gone. But mm. um, You could still be in, in uh, LA trying to be an actress, trying to get your first <laughs> I, big break. I could still be <laughs> yeah, living below the poverty line <laughs> as a... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Doing good. You're having a, a lot less sleep if you were a lawyer, but <laughs> yeah, that's all I know. And potentially a lot less sleep if I was a rock star. <laughs> yes, yeah. I don't know. For a different reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think you just you look if if you get an opportunity in life to kind of merge your passions with a job, mm. then my gosh, tick that mm. that's fantastic. And at one point there, I was sort of trying to do that with music and um, the business side, and then I got really lucky and was able to merge sport and the business of sport and now I've been able to look at other passions I've got which is sport media so tick tick on those two and then to bring in technology and um, you know things like data I mean that's just that's amazing that's what's so special about a company like Champion Data it's in the it's in the intersection of sport technology and media Mm. and that's pretty rare. And what, what was the role that you stepped into when you first joined Champion? Champion, I started as the chief operating officer. Yep. So the, the big titles, you know, the sort of C-suite titles, but Champion's a relatively small company, um, certainly kicks above its weight. But being a small company, uh, you wear lots of hats, which I think is awesome because you get to learn and you get to challenge yourself. So chief operating officer with a view to transitioning into CEO was part of a succession plan that that they had ultimately identified they needed. Mm. Um, And I guess sort of long story short, but I worked with a counterpart at the AFL who had a relationship with Champion Data and he ultimately was the one that said, you should go and have a look at this company. You know, they're thinking about doing some different things. And my initial reaction, if I'm brutally honest, was why on earth would I leave Cricket Australia and this amazing job where I get to... Um, work in media rights. I mean, I met, I met the late great Richie Benno, among other people. Um, you know, it's such a privilege. I always say it's such a privilege to work in sport. But I, my initial reaction was, hell no! Why would I go and work for a data company when <laughs> I'm here at cricket? But it, I reckon it was a space of about ten minutes. You know, I went down again, take the opportunity, keep an open mind. Went down, met some of the people who um, I now work with, and it just. I just had this moment where I was sort of like, oh, my God, this company is amazing. It does so much. It's so embedded in the industry and um, I'd done my due diligence. I'd asked a lot of people, you know, what do you know about these guys and whatnot and, um, yeah, there wasn't a bad word said about them. So 
in the end, uh, and as I said, I'd been at cricket seven years, so I don't know, is there a seven-year itch? Who knows? But, <laughs> um, yeah, it all just came together quite nicely for me, yeah. And in terms of preparing yourself for that C-suite level role, were there any challenges that came up along the way whilst you were at Cricket Australia that kind of gave you that grassroots experience? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, um, yeah, I got some really good advice actually transitioning from a senior management role into a C-suite, in inverted commas, you know, I'm doing air, um, inverted commas. But anything related to stakeholder management puts you in good stead no matter what your job is because you can't avoid people. People are different. People are challenging. And so any opportunity you get to cut your teeth on a stakeholder piece, whether they're people you're reporting that are reporting to you or the people you report to or peers, colleagues, like I just think it's so important, but the, but cricket and sport offers the opportunity to engage with the whole ecosystem. So whether they're, um, you know, people who work in the community level or people who work in the broadcast side of things or um, on the marketing side, it, it doesn't really matter. You can, you just learn so much. So stakeholder management and the importance of relationships is just, I think it's probably one of those things that really set me up to be able to be at the helm of a company because everyone looks to you for direction, for answers um, to solve problems, but also you're expected to have those relationships with the whole sector. Um, but yeah, that, I could probably name about four or five different things, but that was, that's the one that just straight away comes to mind mm, for me. Mm. I reckon um, Christy Collier-Hill, who used to be the CEO of the Deakin Melbourne Boomers, now is the general manager of the WNBL, mm. she said exactly the same thing. And I can't remember her words, but she had a nice little framework that – gave us an idea of how she approaches those sort of things. Mm. I reckon she's around the episode 107 mark. If anyone wants to go back, I know you're a fan. You'll be listening for this for sure. <laughs> Cross promotion. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, but uh, it's interesting that that just keeps coming up. Well, we live in a world full of humans, right? So, and, and I can say this because I'm, I'm a self-diagnosed introvert, right? So I would very happily – just work with the robots, say, you know, the, the future that we might all be heading into. I'd be happy with that to some degree, but but that's not reality. And and sometimes it'll be hard. You have to be able to develop really strong interpersonal relationships with people and you won't always get it right. I, I definitely have made mistakes and, and burnt relationships in the past. But the other thing I'd also say is the world is not that big. We operate in a globalised world that is through digital and all sorts of things so, so small. And so then you take the sector that you're in or the industry that you're in gets even smaller. <laughs> then you take the geographical area mm. that you're in gets even smaller. And so if you think for one moment that you are not going to cross paths with someone again, you're nuts because you yeah. absolutely will. And you don't you don't be a good person just because you think you're going to run into them again, you'd be a good person because that's ultimately where you grow and it's where you can deliver value. And, yeah, you if you're lucky, you might get some payback down down the track. But I'm, I'm really big on the people piece. I think be a good human uh, no matter what the circumstance and you'll be better off for it. Yeah. It's also if you're a good person and someone thinks you are, then when someone asks about you, they'll be like, 
Yeah, he's amazing. Mm. Yeah, she's great. Hi, her. Halo effect. Um, because Hello effect. you're right, everyone in the sport, the sports industry is very small. Everyone knows each other. People talk. People talk. 100% So if you build talk. some relationships, it just opens doors. Yeah. If you mm. burn that bridge, it just shuts them. So. But I also think, you know, people helped me. So I think it's right for me to help others. I've had yeah. plenty of people say to me, I'm speaking to this young person or I've come across this person, they're, they're amazing, they're really smart, they're a good person, can you have a chat to them? My answer to that is always yes. The thing I loved about your previous guest was what he spoke about is you can ask for those opportunities so you can volunteer or you can ask to have that coffee but it's on you to bring some value or, or to offer something as part of that and that is really important because I would love to spend hours and hours and hours talking to people and learning about them and hearing their stories but that's not me doing my job. I, I shouldn't be doing that. So you need to make it easy for me to help you. And it, it sounds like a bit of a selfish mm. approach to it, but it's just a fact of life. I'm, no. I'm not doing my shareholders, my staff. Um, I'm not doing right by them if I spend lots mm. of time out there just, you know, sort of shooting you, the breeze you should, all the time. You should jump on this side of the desk because that's literally our job. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's why... Spend hours and hours learning about people. That's why, <laughs> that, that's why products like yours and platforms like yours are actually really important. And I, I should say, um, and stop me if I'm rambling, but having a network is one of the most important things you can do, but don't close your mind to what that network will look like. So if you're someone like me who wants to work in sport... Just because someone doesn't work in sport doesn't mean that they can't be of value to you or teach you something. Chances are six degrees of separation, they'll know someone who knows yeah. someone who knows someone and before you know it, you're in the door. Mm. So um, if you're not someone who, who that comes naturally, that ability to kind of network and create a network, you've got to practice it. Mm. You may not like it. I don't like it. Wears me out. But it's just so, so important. It's so important. And it's really what's got me where I am at every point. You know, it's been yeah. someone has advocated for me. Someone said, yeah, 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 I know Libby. She's good. Yeah, She'll, she'll, she'll be okay for you. She's a good yeah. person. Mm. Yeah, awesome. A um, few questions ago, we'll dart through them. But is there something mm. in, in terms of your role as CEO that people would be surprised at that you do in your day-to-day? I think people would be surprised by um, ha maybe how hands-on I can be at times. There are probably people I work with who wish I wasn't. <laughs> um, you got you got to you got to roll up your sleeves every now and then. Um, so you know I spend quite a bit of time uh, at the coalface. I guess I'm not again. I'm not the expert. I'm not the technic the technician. I'm I'm not the amazing analyst. Um, but it's so complex that. You kind of need to see it in action to to really mm. understand it and to understand, say, the pain points of your people or the opportunity, I guess, for them. Um, so yeah, there might be this kind of view that you sit in a chair or you sit in an office. First, I don't have an office. Um, I try to be talking to staff as much as possible and listening to them and ditto mm. with our partners and our stakeholders. Yeah, what's going on for you at the moment? You know. Um, but I'm, I'm also privileged in that, you know, as I said, I've, I've observed coaches' boxes. I have um, sat in the back of directors' trucks and watched them 
produce unbelievable coverage of sport. Um, I've heard coaches giving, you know, break in play, uh, um, you know, talks to their their team. So that's, I guess, all the stuff that's uh, part of the privilege of working in sport. Yeah. I think that's really interesting to hear because your role is essentially to be the top decision maker. And I'm guessing that all this information helps with those decisions. But I'm guessing that you're not spending all day, every single day, making these massive decisions. So you, you're kind of just constantly collecting data so that when a point in time comes, you can make the right decision. Just so that like people can kind of get an idea of how your weeks or months are split. How much of the time do you reckon you're listening and collecting data about your company versus making decisions? Oh, wow. That's a really tough question. You're constantly making decisions, I would say. Um, so that I reckon that's the majority. But, but if I could just jump on a couple of things you said there, right versus wrong, it's often not that black and white or clear. It's what's the best decision or what do I think the best decision is based on the information that I have. Um, sometimes you are required to uh, guess, to look around corners or to try and look around corners. So that, that can be very challenging at times. You have to be really comfortable with ambiguity uh, because sometimes it's just not obvious what the best way to go is, let alone the right way. But sometimes, sometimes it'll be really easy. It'll be, no, the absolute right thing to do here is to take a people-centred approach and COVID taught us a lot about that. I'm going to make a decision that is best for the people, not best for the bottom line at this point. And ultimately, that's a long-term play because it pays off down the track because people are grateful, they remain committed and they stick they stick with you. Um, so I don't know, I, you know, maybe it's decision-making process is, is continual. The the listening and learning is probably less less of my time but but equally as important, I guess. Mm, yeah. And do, do you have a, um, uh, a mentor or people that you turn to to help with being a CEO? I've got quite a few. Um, and that, that was my point around having a network because you never quite know what the nature of the problem is you're going to need support <laughs> on. So it might be a people-related problem or it might be a, I don't understand this technology, but you know, we do it. So mm. can someone please explain this to me? Or it might be um, what are these macroeconomic conditions that are impacting us and how do I, if at all, respond to them? So um, I've got people who I can call if it's, you know, a people-related thing or I've got people I can call if it's financially related. Um, I've got people who are just technical whizzes and you know, those people are always kind of riding the wave of new tech and um, emerging trends and those sort of people. Um, and then I've been really lucky in that I've actually had um, two people in the business who have mentored me from the minute I started. So um, Tim, who's a, who's the former um, managing director of the company, and he managed um, and supported me through my initial uh, time with Champion and also Chris, who uh, has also been with the business for a long time is and is kind of the um, heart and soul and the entrepreneurial driver of that business. So that's pretty unique, I think, to have that right at your fingertips in the yeah. business, but it is... Um, something that's really important you do you do need to have that mentor piece mm. mentor relationships though again absolutely should be two-way 
with most of it coming from you rather than from them. I mean, mm. I've, I've found that the best mentors are people who say to me, yeah, okay, that's an interesting problem. So what do you think? Mm. And I'll sit there and I'll say, no, 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 I'm here because I want you to tell me what <laughs> yeah, to do. Tell me what to do. And they'll say, well, no, let's, let's, let's talk about it. Let's work it out. And oftentimes you've figured it out and you know what you need to do, but it's almost like you just need a little bit of reassurance. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> that's interesting. We, we chatted to Sam Joseph from Vold Performance uh, last few episodes ago. And he's, he's sort of brought up this idea of having like the team behind you. So you don't have just one mentor. You've got sort of a, a team that's that's backing you no matter where, what problem you might have, you can turn to them. So yeah. it's kind of, you know, a lot of people out there are thinking, oh, I, I need to have a mentor. I need to make sure I've got one mentor that I can always go to. It's almost like, well, you don't need to have one. You just have a few people that you can touch base with that yeah. almost acts as There's a great one. concept. Um, it's called your personal board. Mm. as in your governance board. So if you're a business yourself, what do you need on that governance board? So it sort of comes back to that thing around knowing what your strengths and areas for development are and and looking for those who will challenge you, not just think like you will think or share the same strengths you've got. So if you're a people-centred person, then you probably want people around your personal board who might say, well, you're not thinking commercially enough there or, um, you know, is there a different way of thinking about that? So a similar concept but mm. it is important. I like the board better, mm. Be- better word than team. A bit more formal. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a board meeting every mm. every, every yeah. few weeks. It's the sort of thing that a CEO would absolutely say, I think you, yeah. just, I think you should stick with team. Team is much better. Team is much well, uh, better. The board. We'll figure out which language <laughs> resonates best with the grads. That <laughs> <laughs> no, awesome. Um, speaking of the grads, champion data inside the community to, to find some good people to hopefully play a bit of Xbox and yeah. code those games. What, what sort of entry-level roles exist within champion? Heaps. We've got something like 300-odd casuals who work for us across the country. Most of them are here in Melbourne, um, but we do recruit uh in all states, and they work across our data capture side and also our business. Uh, sorry, our broadcast side, and we sort of have three. There's three main roles. There's callers. So a caller is literally sitting. I in love a game. this job. Oh, there was there was one the other day. It was like a in the waffle in Perth, and I was like. That is the best job ever. You get to call interchanges. I mean, you can yeah, but can I tell you how? I, that, I mean, this this is something I'm really proud of. Is our this has been developed over 20 years. the The way we recruit our casuals, so we do it generally. If I, if I just talk footy for a moment, it's around the so called off season, which doesn't exist, by the way. Anyone who tells you there's an off season is lying, but. So in, in September, we're usually going out looking to fill um, the ranks of our, our casual workforce. We go out, we do quite a bit of screening. Ultimately, if you get through the first interview stage, um, there's then something like uh, 15 times one-on-one type of training sessions for you. But also for callers, there's a player identification test. You and actually, wow. I think I think it's done before you even sort of get through that first gate, where we've we've established an online tool. You'll sit there, watch some vision back, and ultimately you're tested on how many of those players you can identify. And our our standard's really high. Like I don't know exactly what it is. Someone will probably shoot me down for this, but it's high nineties. 
Mm. It's extraordinary. I've, I've watched these guys do this and I'm just gobsmacked by it. And I've been <laughs> yeah. watching it for six, seven years. Uh, so there's callers and they are literally binoculars at the ground calling a game. There's a back caller who's sitting at our bunker who's saying, no, you got that one wrong, mate. We're going to change that yeah. call. Um, and then we've got people who are coding, as we call it, which is literally doing the data entry. So, you know, the Xbox controller is one way of coding. That's not live though. So you're not under the same kind of pressure that a live caller and coder might be under. And then it varies by uh, competition. Mm. So obviously AFL and AFLW are the benchmarks. They are an extremely high standard. Accuracy and integrity of the data is incredibly important. So we put our best people as callers on those and as coders on those. Uh, and then we use the other leagues and competitions as the training grounds to develop people up to those sort of more senior roles. But, yeah, as I said, you know, we, we've, we've got guys who've been with us for some of them 15 years. They love it that much. It's demanding because it's sport. So it's evenings and it's weekends. For most of our casuals, it's a second job. And I, you know, props to them. We, we also have found that most of our permanent staff who've moved into those um, competition functions of ours, whether it's analytics or uh, logistics and administration around that, they have come through those casual ranks. So for us, it's very much about identifying people who might ultimately end up, you know, permanently with yeah. the organisation. Mm. Um, but it's, it's an extraordinary... Um, I guess, thing to do to have in your back pocket to – you've obviously got to be passionate about the sport and love sport, whether it's netball, footy, lacrosse, doesn't really matter because uh, if you don't like the game, you're not going to like calling it, no. and coding it. That doesn't make any sense. But um, you'd be amazed. We're quite lucky. We're lucky that we're a sport-mad country and there's so many people who want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. And it's been fantastic having you in the community. You've obviously got plenty of champion data jobs that have gone out and our grads are absolutely loving it. So it's just awesome to have you involved. Um, I feel like we could talk for hours, which is <laughs> which we honestly could. Mm. But um, some last sort of advice for some people coming through, they might not be sure where they want to get to, but they want to work in sport. What's some advice that you would uh, you would hand down to them? I think, as I said, is just keep a really open mind to what sport means. It, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you work for a sports federation or a club uh, or a league. You, you can come in in any and many varied ways, whether it's through the broadcast path, whether it's, you know, through taking on an additional job of working as a casual um, whether it's on the regulatory side, which is what I did. I, I just don't think there's a traditional path and so I don't think people should get hung up on only applying or only speaking to people who have jobs in a sport because I, I think the business of sport is really big and really broad now and if you close yourself off to all those other opportunities then you're just not giving yourself the best chance of, of getting the gig. Um and then I think it's, it's you know, it's just being really uh, open to, to sort of taking any opportunity you can. Yeah, awesome. Getting kicked out, how good is this? <laughs> but it has been absolutely awesome chatting to you, Libby, and, and thank you so much for coming in. I know you mentioned you had a few false starts. You had the taxi out the back, struggling to yeah, get turn, down. Turns out I can't read a map, everyone. There you go. <laughs> yeah, CEO, but, um, but I can't read a map. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we're, we're super thankful for, for you to come for coming. And um, it's just been awesome hearing about your journey and, and, and inside Champion Data. Just 
all the things that you're doing is just super interesting. So our listeners, I'm sure, would be absolutely loving this. As I said, we could probably chat for two more hours if we wanted to. But uh, well, if we I can, if I can just say thank you for having me on and thank you for your support and everything you do because it's it's playing a really vital role for for organisations like us in finding really good talent. Um, so we're I'm super grateful that that you guys are doing what you're doing and that you're helping us to to make sure that we're putting our best foot forward as well. Our pleasure. Thank awesome. you. Awesome, Rubes. Well, I didn't know you could make money by basically holding an X- Xbox controller <laughs> and taking stats with it. I think that is absolutely unreal. That was probably just a minor takeaway from that episode, <laughs> but... What did you love about it? It was awesome. Well, that is like the dream casual job to have in university. Like go Imagine to that. go to uni, study a thing, hang out on the weekend in between, play a bit of Xbox and record some stats on AFL games. Like how good. It's honestly a riffing job. <laughs> yeah. I would love that. Absolutely. <laughs> I might get in touch with Livia on the site. Yeah. I'd love to do that. <laughs> I'm um, up for that. Some other takeaways though. Number one, uh, look to get into look to get some experience in stakeholder management. Once you get to the to Libby's level in the C-suite, COO, CEO level, mm. managing stakeholders becomes your number one priority, keeping everyone happy, making sure everyone, everything's under control. So if you can uh, learn to develop that very early on, you're going to set yourself up in a really good way down the track. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing she highlighted was just don't be concerned if your pathway to get to where you want to get to isn't traditional and and what you kind of expected it to be when you first set out to work in sport a lot of people get to where they're going to get to in different ways different industries whatever it might be um don't be worried about it if you've got that set goal um you're every chance of getting that so Mm. yeah 100 percent um some other reps around data analysis slash just data Data, well, Binok Kadidawaki from the LA Crows, yep. big data guy. And interestingly enough, also studied a law degree. Mm. But similarly, he said, no, nah, stuff this. I don't want to deal with law. I want to look at data. So he basically taught himself data analytics and became a big integral part of the list management team at the Adelaide Crows on draft night by the information that he's accrued. Yep. Uh, so if you want to check him out, I reckon he's episode 142. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, for other CEO examples, we had David Pryles from Hockey Australia come on. He's around the 171 mark. We also yep. had Kelly Ryan from Netball Australia. So a couple of NSO CEOs there. Yep. Uh, Kelly's around the 181 mark. So uh, if you're looking to data or some CEOs, those three are some good examples to dip into. Um, Lauren Boothby early on, North Melbourne. Mm. I don't know what number. It's going way back, That's way back in the archives. Episode 10, I reckon. Yeah. But there's some awesome guests there, some fantastic examples of people just dominating in sport with the main thing being numbers. Mm. How cool. Uh, fantastic. Well, connect with us on LinkedIn, plus be sure to jump into the SportsGrad community. We would love to chat with you in there. Head to our website, sportsgrad.com.au slash community to join or head to the link in our show notes. Champion Data are also inside our community hiring. So plenty of jobs coming from them if you are interested in working at Champion Data. Also, if you love the show, we would love for you to rate it five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. Subscribe on Apple or follow on Spotify. Thanks for listening. See you next time.